AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, because every voice matters. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Welcome back to XR Star, your monthly podcast where we talk all things extended reality and the metaverse. I'm your host, futurist Amelia Coleman. The future is uncertain, but one thing that is certain is change. And I believe that we are at the beginning of a technological renaissance, one that is forever going to change the future of industry, society, politics, the environment, and the global economy. One of several of the main drivers of this renaissance is changing demographics and evolving expectations. Gen Alpha is our first virtual native generation. Today, Gen Alpha, along with Gen Z, are students and gamers, but tomorrow they will be our customers, our colleagues, and our competition. Because of the technologies they've grown up with, they think differently than previous generations before. Number one, they are responsive. They've grown up with responsive technologies, things like touchscreens and smart speakers, and this has taught them to be active participants and co-creators. They speak up and understand the influence that they have. For brands, this means that they talk back and they expect to have two-way conversations. Secondly, they don't differentiate between their physical, digital, and virtual lives, relationships, belongings, status, and finances. Of this generation, 75% identify as gamers, and of those, 50% say that they prefer to hang out with their friends in virtual worlds rather than physical worlds. 50% also say that they identify more with their avatars than they do with their physical bodies. What this demonstrates is a demand for the capabilities in our virtual worlds to not only reflect those inside our physical worlds, but also to exceed them because we don't have the same conditions and constraints inside virtual worlds that we do inside physical worlds. Things like gravity, for instance. So the creative possibilities here are vast. And finally, this one might surprise you, they are willing to pay. While millennials, Gen X, and boomers have been trained to believe that the internet is free, even though we know that we pay for it in other ways, such as data and privacy, these generations have grown up in these subsects of the internet that have their own ecosystems and economies. This means that they have an innate understanding of attaching real-world value to digital and virtual goods, services, and experiences. Take Roblox, for instance, 66 million daily users, 214 monthly users, and 80% of their audience are under the age of 16. And 75% of them say that they want to spend money on fashion for these spaces. And they want 67% say that they want those to be brand names. So now brands are reaching this market by developing products, services, and experiences directly in virtual gaming worlds like Roblox and Fortnite. Leading this development is Yonder, an immersive technology agency that helps brands build real connections that transcend physical and digital boundaries. 
Today, I am thrilled to have as my guest, Peter von Logenhagen, Yonder's co-founder and managing partner, a keynote speaker, and the author of the book, Welcome to the Metaverse. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So just to begin, can you tell us a little bit about your background as well as what you do at Yonder today? Yeah, sure. Yeah, my name is Peter. Um, I live in Antwerp in Belgium, by the way. Um, and as and my background, I started uh, my career in in media. So I worked at MTV uh, for a while, and then I switched to public relations. I, w I worked at a PR firm for I think about six months or something, um, and then I um, I started to feel that I had that entrepreneurial spirit in me. So. I knew that I had to do something. Um, I work for my, I, I start my own business. So I started my first company together with my, um, with my college best friend, um, Matthias. Um, it was a digital agency. So we were focused on branding, web, video production and digital experiences. We work, we were working more regionally, but, um, in 2014, when, um, Oculus, like, let's say the mother brand of the new generation of, VR headsets was acquired by Facebook, uh, back then still Facebook, for 2.2 billion, I guess. Uh, and that was the moment that we were thinking like, hey, we are, we are already doing video. So the switch to 360 video can't be that hard. That's something that we thought back then. Uh, and yeah, digital experiences. Why not explore the power of virtual reality? Because the internet was full of like 360 video, virtual real, uh, reality is the next big computing platform. So uh, we start to, um, so we thought like, hey, let's start a new company. Uh, first, I went to CES in 2015, um, where Oculus had their own booth, a CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, every um, January, um, every January of every year. Um, it was amazing because that was like where we could test the first Oculus uh, Rift. And then we, we drove to uh, San Francisco to see like, how is the VR, how viable is that VR ecosystem already in the United States? Because they're always a couple steps ahead uh, compared to Europe and the US. And then we came back early 2015 and said, like, hey, we need to start uh, a new company. We found, um, or we were looking for a managing partner back then for our first company. We started with Yonder, and that was, like, the beginning of my career in XR or all things virtual. Amazing. And so that was eight years ago now. How has the industry changed and how would you describe the state of the industry today? Stable today, but it has been one hell of a ride. Mm. So yeah, when, when we came back from the US, we, did a, we, we literally bought uh, our first clients. So we went to a big um, TV studio in Belgium or maybe or a broadcaster, television company. Um, and we, we, we asked them like, hey, can we work for you can we just do something film something in 360 and just give us like a thousand euro um for expenses and then we we, we went to a cycling team which uh, which was or still is one of the biggest uh quick step um famous back then from mark cavendish uh tom bonan all the the big riders that we asked them like hey please can we film something from your um team presentation in vr and then we went to a big tra a belgian travel agency and we asked them like Hey, we are already working for this big Belgian broadcaster and for the cycling team. Can we do New York City for you? Because um, that's the, they were the, or they still are the biggest travel agency in Belgium for US travel. 
So we went to New York and that was our first paid gig that we did. But that was in 2015, May, I guess. That was all over the media in Belgium. Um, uh, it was on television and every newspaper. So that was a, like a big PR use case for us. And then the phone started ringing. Uh, we were, if you uh, heard about the hype cycle, the Gardner hype cycle, that was the, the, the moment that we were, were that we were on our way all the way up to um, the peak of inflated expectations. You have that technology trigger as the first stage. Gartner is an American research bureau for the people who don't know that. And they have a graphical representation um, of the market introduction or market penetration of emerging technology. You have the first stage, the technology trigger, something that sparks uh, and sets uh, that, that sparkle that sets the market on fire. Then you have that peak of inflated expectations, the moment that everybody wants to be in the market jumps on the opportunity. And then we go all the way down to the trough of disillusionment because the technology is, isn't, is clearly not ready for mass adoption. And then we take uh, the slope of enlightenment towards the plateau of productivity. And I think in my, in my opinion now, because after that first travel use case, we worked with brands like Honda, Mercedes, Volvo, with big banks uh, in Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, with Nike, New Balance, Adidas. So all the big brands, they want to do something with VR because that was the newest gimmick. But it was not more than a marketing gimmick because technology wasn't good enough and wasn't ready. There was no, no, no content and no reason for users to buy a device, only for the geeks and the, and the industry believers. Um, so we, we clearly went all the way down to the curve of disillusionment and that was... Not an easy time because, yeah, all of a sudden the phone wasn't ringing anymore. But now I think since the pandemic, uh, of course, at first uh, we lost all our business. Uh, I think a lot of companies lost all their business in March 2020. But then, yeah, the whole the whole world needed to shift to virtual. Uh, and that, that was the moment that we start build virtual worlds. Um, back then we worked a lot on Altspace from Microsoft. Now Altspace doesn't exist anymore. Microsoft took it offline, but Allspace was acquired in 2017, I guess, by Microsoft as a social VR platform. And we start build virtual worlds on those platforms. And we did a lot of work in the US. Um, uh, so a lot of companies were purchasing like 50, 100, 150 Oculus Quest 2 uh, headsets. We were building virtual worlds for those companies. And then we hosted an event all online. Uh, and then me or other people came to give a keynote speech in that virtual world. And that's something that we did like 20, 30 times during the pandemic. Uh, so that was a good business for us. And then, yeah, in 20, uh, 2021, October or November, I guess, the moment when Zuckerberg took the stage and said like, hey, from now on, we're not Facebook anymore, but we have a holding company called Meta. And when, in the future, we want to be seen as a metaverse company, not as a social media company anymore. Yeah, that's when everything explored, of course. Uh, so since 2020, uh, the pandemic after March, I think from June, 2020, it went all the way up for uh, all the way up. We, uh, we, we have a steady growth and past year, like a very steady growth. Um, so it's, everything is fine uh, now. Although we must say that we had the metaverse hype for the past two years. Uh, and the term metaverse as such, um, when where we have like the seamless conver uh, conversion of the physical and the virtual world, uh, where we have those digital layers popping up in the physical worlds, interacting with virtual people in a virtual world. Yeah, we're not there yet, of course. But some of those elements, like virtual worlds, for example, is still is already like a very viable business. You were uh, mentioning Roblox, 
uh, Fortnite, other platforms like Spatial, VR Chat, whatever, Minecraft, those are already viable ecosystems where a lot of big brands are already making a lot of money. So the metaverse hype is maybe that for the media, and that's maybe a good thing that needed to happen one day. Now it's all about gen generative AI, and uh, at a certain point that will also will be replaced by something else. Uh, but I think now behind the scenes, a lot of work is done and we are building more worlds than ever before. So it's not that at all. So, yeah, what a journey. That's great. Yeah. So I do want to um, go back to what you were saying about Roblox and Fortnite and about these younger audiences that are in these spaces and it has created this viable ecosystem there. Can you tell us a little bit about what younger audiences want today out of these spaces and how are brands meeting their desires and expectations? Yeah, I think that younger audiences, but I think audiences in general don't want ads anymore. And they are not addicted to ads, but not at all, but people and especially also younger audiences, they are addicted to entertaining content. Um, and that's uh, on the one hand, something that you have on TikTok and Snapchat, uh, the UGC part, the user generated content, uh, which works very well. Um, but in gaming, you have the same as well. And yeah, gaming, gaming is like uh, the engine for virtual worlds and the metaverse in the future. Um, we see a lot happening over there. And the level of engagement that you get from um, connecting with audiences in virtual worlds is enormous. And we see that especially those younger generations are in those virtual worlds. Of course, it's not only them. Uh, if you look at the stats of, of Roblox, uh, I think it was RDC, Roblox Developer Conference, two weeks ago. The stats said that the fast-growing age, age group is 16+. plus, So they're doing a lot uh, towards that generation. And Fortnite is even older. I think the average uh, age on Fortnite is between 18 and 21. So that must, so there are also a lot of older players uh, on Fortnite. Um, but what they do is like they are capturing the audience, uh, the, the attention of the audience for a long, long time. So that's very interesting. And it's entertaining. It's not advertising. You let the people connect with your audience and engage, but you're not advertising right in their face. Like when I was young, for example, we were, yeah, we had those TV commercials and they are still on right now. And I think for a certain generation, they will do the trick. But um, for me personally, and I'm, I'm a millennial, I'm totally not a Gen Z. I wish I was. Sometimes I feel like uh, a Gen Z trapped in a millennial's body or something. But um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not watching linear television anymore, so I don't see any commercials. But if you manage to let people engage for 5, 10, 20 minutes with your brand, I think that's golden, something like that. And that's what happens now with the younger generations. They spend a lot of time in those virtual worlds. I think for Roblox, it's like 2.3 hours uh, a day on average for a user, 2.3 hours a day. So there is a huge opportunity to reach those generations. Uh, and they are typically more on those or in those virtual worlds today. And when you say that it's um, not traditional brand advertising in these spaces, can you give an example of what it it looks like? I mean, is it a branded experience we're talking about or are there products in the spaces? What is the new twist on advertising inside these spaces? Yeah, is that like, that you let people connect and engage with your brand. For example, we have uh, one of the best performing uh, performing brands on Roblox still is Vance with Vance World. Uh, Vance that we know from the, the skateboard brand. So they create a skateboard game. From the moment you enter the world, you can uh, you can take your skateboard and skate through through the world that works 
Um, and then, of course, you can buy a pair of sneakers for your avatar. And you were mentioning that that's uh, how many percentages was uh, people are spending real money on virtual fashion. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, yeah. And especially those fashion brands, they 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 know they know, it. and they also believe that if they want, for example, the Gucci's, Ralph Lauren, Dior, Hermes, they all have um, appear or all make their appearances in virtual worlds. And then you say like, hey. A kid from 13 year old can afford a Ralph Lauren or a Hermes bag, for example. But if you want to continue your legacy as a legacy brand, you need to be where your audience is to tell the story about your brand. And when I was young, we were watching like the magazines and the cover pictures on magazines because the big movie stars were featured on cover photos of magazines. But yeah, who's, who's still reading magazines? Apologies for the, uh, uh, to the print industry, but uh, who, especially not the younger generation and also the TV commercials. We're not, we're not looking at, at, at linear television anymore or watching linear television anymore. So you need to be somewhere else where they are. And if you want to continue the legacy, you need to be where your audience is and tell them the story about Ralph Lauren or Dior or even Vance, Nightland, for example. We saw the same um, a project that we recently finished was for a big Belgian uh, festival, Pickle Pop. Uh, Pop is maybe not that famous internationally, but they had like headliners and headliners this year on the physical festival were the Killers, Florence and the Machine. So they have big names um, on their main stage. Uh, but we did the virtual festival because Pickle Pop, there's uh, 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 the identity of Pickle Pop is focused on 15 to 25 year olds. Uh, they have, uh, they had Billy Eilish as well and Marie. Uh, so they are focusing on that target, uh, target group, but they want to start preparing the 10 to 15 year olds, um, youngsters to create a connection with the festival because they want to make them ready. Like, Hey, I want to be one day. I want to be there physically one day, create some kind of a connection with them. So we built a virtual festival and like a physical festival, a virtual festival can also have partners or sponsors, uh, call it what you want to call it, but partners or, or sponsors. But what we didn't do was like the biggest sponsor or partner was uh, the biggest telco in Belgium, Proxius. Uh, and now we had two food brands because they were also physically on the real festival. And we had OnePlus, uh, OnePlus Europe from the mobile phones, uh, the mobile phone brand. And we didn't create like, hey, buy a 5G subscription at Proximus or buy the newest mobile phone from OnePlus. But it was just like brand awareness in the virtual world. So multi-branded approach, which was very interesting in my opinion, because you can split the cost and create a much bigger and better experience. Um and we seamlessly create, uh, integrate all those brands in the gameplay uh, of the whole of the whole game of the whole Pickle Pop world. So you have a pavilion of Food Maker, which is a healthy food brand, and then you need to go to the um, into the restaurant and uh, some uh, and the waiter gave you a recipe uh, of vegetables that you need to go and find in the in the garden. And that and the points that you made, you could also use to buy a backstage pass, for example, because all the games were integrated in the in the overall gameplay. So that's, in my opinion, general brand awareness and engagement. You get to know those brands, but they are not hard selling you something. Um, so that's very interesting. But the opportunity of hard selling is also interesting if you are a fashion brand, for example, and maybe not only a fashion brand, because I think it's interesting for many other brands as well. Yeah, fascinating. And you mentioned there's a bit of an age difference between target audiences in Roblox and Fortnite, even though they overlap a bit. So if 
if I was a brand considering getting into this virtual space, what would your advice be about which one to get into? And are there any kind of pros and cons that we need to be aware of? I think to quote Simon Sinek, <laughs> start with the why. That's always a very important one. Yeah, you need to have a clear strategy. That, that, that clear strategy could be PR value. I just want to be in my industry, the first company in Roblox, for example. Um, that could be something that you just have the PR value, but also I want to activate. I have a product launch. I want to do something online. Um, I want to just let my audience know that I have a new product and I want to boost it online. And that's something that you could do. Um, but you need to have a clear strategy why you want to do something. And then of course, define your target audience as a brand. Normally, you know what your target audience is, but if your target audience is like, for example, 35 to uh, 50 years old, then I would suggest not to go for Roblox, even not for Fortnite. Then, yeah, then you need to look for other platforms that are more user-friendly, friendly, probably work on multiple devices like just the internet without installing an application because that's too much friction, in my opinion. If you want to do something on Fortnite, uh, don't bet on new users because if you want to install Fortnite on your computer, it's like a 50 or 60 or 30 gigabit download that you have to do. So that's not something that um, somebody just is going to do. Uh, you have other platforms like Spatial, for example. It's something that we build very often on these days because you can simply share a link. People click on the link and they can enter the virtual world and do everything else. It's also multi-platform, so you can access it via Oculus, uh, mobile, and also on the web. So that's interesting. So I think, yeah, why? Have a strategy, define your, your target audience. You need to know why you want to do something in a virtual world. And sometimes it can be first mover and take a lot of free publicity. Um, that could also be something, or build a viable community, establish a community in a virtual world. But then you need to know that it will take some time and a lot of effort to establish that community and especially maintain that community. But I think, yeah, define your clear strategy is something that you need to do first. That's really good advice. Thank you for that. And for any parents who are listening today who might have concerns over child's safety inside these spaces, wondering um, if you can share what you know about how the industry is currently addressing those concerns. I know that Yonder's involved in a really cool project. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, I believe first, when there are, uh, as long as there are human beings, there will be problems and there will be violence or whatever. But I think those platforms are doing a lot of effort um, to prevent those things. For example, in the Roblox chat, it's it's impossible to to type fuck shit or whatever to each other. So you cannot. Uh, there are very good tools um, to notify Roblox that somebody is bullying you or whatever. Um, so there are are good tools for that. But we are involved now in a in a funded project um, together with Plan International, uh, the the NGO, um, and the Flemish government and the University of Antwerp, and we are doing a research or a study. Um, about uh, gender violence and sexual harassment in, in virtual worlds and, and more specifically uh, Roblox. So we, um, we received a grant from the, from the Flemish government or, or the Belgian government and we, and we put together a, a research group uh, from I think 20 uh, youngsters between 12 and 16 because they are clearly the target audience. They are in Roblox, They're, they spend a lot of time uh, on Roblox. Uh, and, then, and in the first session, we talked about Metaverse. And to be honest, I talk a lot about Metaverse, but I was very nervous to talk 
to that age group about the metaverse because because they were literally looking at me like, what are you what are you talking about? That's just normal for us. We are spending so much time in those virtual worlds, and you all of a sudden call it the metaverse. Anyway, it was very funny, and then we talked about uh, what they uh, and how they experience or have experienced uh, violence, sexual harassment, or gender violence in virtual worlds. Uh, and then in the second session, um, we brainstormed about how um, our end goal was creating a virtual world or a virtual pavilion, like we call it, uh, that we can add to different virtual worlds uh, through a portal, um, uh, where we, um, in a, in a, in a learn-by-gaming approach, can um, teach uh, the, the kids about what is gender, um, what is gender violence, how can you react to gender violence, and how can you um, react as a bystander, for example, as well? Uh, so we put all that information in mini games together with the kids, which was very funny um, and very helpful for us as well, because we learned a lot about how they approach those virtual worlds and how they look at it. Um, so now, um, with the with the first festival, um, the the pavilion went live. So if you went or if you still go into the world of Puckle Pop on Roblox. All of a sudden, you you find a portal, so it's like a door. And if you walk with your avatar through the door, you enter the pavilion of Plan International, like a safe space uh, in the virtual world. And that's where we want to educate people, uh, and especially the kids, of course, about the gender um, and gender violence and sexual harassment, and especially how to react uh, if something happens to you or you see something happening uh, as a bystander. That's amazing. And I think it's so needed and not just for kids but i think also for adults for any audience because we are sort of in new territory especially yeah. in these virtual worlds i know when we were talking about this the other day you gave the example of you know if you recognize a kid from your class who is in that space as another gender you know what is is there a way to react yeah. good ways bad ways etc and that education i think is so important and so cool so i really commend yeah. you for that Thank you. Thank you. I think in, in terms of violence in, in the virtual worlds, like I mentioned in the beginning of, the, of, of this topic, I think as long as there are people uh, involved, it, it's not the technology as such to blame. It's always us, we as people who are abusing the technology. And as long as there are people, there will, and especially criminals who are very creative most of the time, they will always try to find some ways to work around. Because I get that question all, a, a lot, not only about uh, violence towards other avatars, but just, um, yeah, uh, criminals in virtual worlds as such. I think that's something that is impossible to avoid. It's impossible to avoid in the real world. Uh, so there always will be yep. some kind of attempts for violence in virtual worlds as well. But of course, it's it's, it's our mission as well as builders to, to come up with, uh, with ideas on how to avoid it. And... As someone who works in this space, what do you think the future of Roblox and Fortnite and platforms like this looks like? How is it going to be different in the future than it is today? Yeah, I think the I already mentioned that two weeks ago it was um, the Roblox developer conference and the CEO took the stage and, and he made his 10 predictions uh, on Roblox and he, some of them I completely are not following. Like in, in my family in five years, Roblox will be like the main um, communication, a, a digital communication channel. I'm not seeing seeing myself using Roblox to communicate with my family members. I think it's strange to do that. 
on on the other hand, that a lot of um, companies with a Roblox world will start selling more physical items through their Roblox world than virtual items. That's a very interesting one, I guess, because that that, that means that we are, won't use virtual worlds for selling virtual goods only, but also for physical goods. But that takes me to the point that I'm a big believer of the of the fact that the internet and experiencing content in general will become much more three-dimensional in the future. And that's, in my opinion, also where the whole concept of metaverse is all about. Because some people are talking about the metaverse as the, 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 the technical layers are, are 5G and our AI and our IoT and whatever. But those things are already here today. Only for the metaverse, we, we will need those things on steroids because it needs to be much better and much faster because we are talking about three-dimensionalization. And I think content that we will experience, for example, that, that's an example that I often give. Are you familiar with Amazon Messenger, I suppose? And ICQ back in the yeah. days? Um, so when I was young, I, yeah, I came, I came home from school and the first thing I did was starting up my laptop, starting my Amazon. I changed my status, I changed my profile picture, and I start chatting with my friends about whatever, share some music, maybe play a silly card game because that was all that we could do back in the days. And now these kids are basically doing the same with platforms like Roblox. They log on on Roblox. They don't change their profile picture or their status, but they change their avatar. And the avatar is, is showing that, hey, is an expression of, of how they are feeling. Um, and then they start walking around in a, in a three-dimensional world and chat with their friends or even voice call with their friends and hang out together. So basically, and they spend 2.3 hours on an average a day uh, in Roblox, for example. That sounds um, frightening and scary, but I was spending 2.3 hours on Amazon Messenger, uh, Messenger as well, I guess, when I was making my homework. So it's just a 3D version of the internet. And I think we see so many use cases where, where three-dimensionalization makes sense. And I think that's also for Fortnite, which initially started as a Battle Royale shooter game. Uh, but now Epic Games, the mother company behind Fortnite, is also evolving uh, Fortnite towards a game creation system like Roblox is. So brands can start building their own worlds. We are doing some work now on Fortnite for brands because I, I, I believe that that's, that's going to be a, a very big because Fortnite is also targeting a slightly older generation. Maybe easier to target them through social media or other influencer campaigns, uh, easier than a nine-year-old kid because they don't mostly don't have their own phone, own Instagram account or whatever. But anyway, I believe that, um, and it's not only Roblox and Fortnite, take a look at Minecraft as success, but also what Meta will will be doing with Horizon. They launched it and it flopped somehow, um, but they are now launching multi-accessibility, multi so also accessibility on smartphone, web, and Oculus headsets. Also, Microsoft is doing a lot of effort with the launch of Microsoft Mesh for Teams, for example. It's a 3D version of Teams. Uh, and I believe we are recently entered the beta program to start build corporate environments for companies on Teams, uh, 3D environments on Microsoft Teams. And I see a huge potential for that because today we are working more and more hybrid and remote. Um, and we all don't always experience, I, or I think, at least I, I, think I, I see and I think many of Sorry, many see the, see the limitations of Microsoft Teams because for a one-on-one, one-on-two -on -one, call, it works perfectly. But if you go to like 15 or 20 people in a meeting room, in a virtual meeting room, person 13 cannot talk to person 14 because otherwise they're interrupting the whole conversation because everybody is hearing each other 
through that laptop speaker. Um, so that's a big issue. And in a three-dimensional space with spatial audio, maybe through a headset in the future, it just works much better. If people, if people who are listening that haven't experienced that, start, start experimenting with that because it works so much better. And today we still have those clumsy headsets, but it will evolve over time. So I think that not only Roblox and Fortnite, but every big uh, brand, big technology brands, take TikTok, for example, that acquired Pico Interactive, big headset manufacturer in China, TikTok with 1 billion uh, daily active users or 1 billion plus daily active users are now also uh, building a virtual ecosystem. So this will happen over time if you... Um, if you like it or not, but I'm a, I'm a firm believer of 3D version of the internet as we know it today, and that we will do this call, for example, in a couple of years, avatar to avatar in a virtual TV studio, where even when, where even other avatars could join us and ask questions, raise their physical hands, and the digital avatar will raise its um, virtual hands, and we can have like a real conversation. Um, I'm a big believer. Yeah, in definitely. Thank you. You've already given some incredible advice today, but for any brands who are interested in getting involved in Roblox or Fortnite, what's the best advice that you have for them? I think, yeah, like, uh, like I mentioned, start with your clear strategy. Think about why do you want to do something on these platforms? And then, um, yeah, start working with, for example, uh, a studio like us to define the path that you need to uh, walk through. Um, build the world together, uh, the user experience of the world. And yeah, think about how you want to market it, if you want to market it, because sometimes it will be um, an internal communication channel, for example, if you talk about the Microsoft 3D version of Teams. Um, but I think it's very interesting because we see that younger generations, we are not calling them the digital natives anymore. I think we, my generation, the millennials were the digital natives, but now we're talking about virtual natives. And they will have so much impact on work, on social life, on culture, uh, on entertainment. Um, they're used to spend time in those virtual worlds. And I think like the biggest confirmation that we could have uh, for our industry, the XR industry in general, was Apple entering the market. They've never been first movers, but they are have always been the game changer. I think that's a big confirmation that uh, the people who are in this industry for almost 10 years now, like us, um, that we are on the right track uh, and also that they see a lot of potential for social life, even education. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity for education, a, a very uh, funny story, but I was scrolling on spatial the other day uh, and I bumped into an experience of the Titanic. So I, I, I opened the experience, I put on my headset and all of a sudden I was walking on, on a 3D model of the Titanic. And, um, and the moment I went to the bow of the ship, uh, this, the song of Celine Dion starts playing, My Heart Will Go On. I felt like Jack, without Rose, of course, uh, on the Titanic. But for, for, for history, for time traveling, that's amazing. And yeah, imagine if you uh, put a sauce over it of generative AI, when you could uh, all of a sudden start talking with non-playable characters, say NPCs like we call it, but with a large language model behind it. And they are trained to tell the story about Titanic. You can just walk around there with the sound and you have the feeling that you're actually there. And compared with uh, watching a boring PowerPoint, like when I was young at school, uh, if, it, if it already was a PowerPoint, now you can put students um, back in ancient history 
I let them experience in an interactive and immersive way how everything happened back in those days. So huge opportunities for that. Yeah, yeah. And I can see that um, the overlap between gaming and entertainment and the spatial internet is going to be a huge new opportunity in industry as well. So speaking of the XR industry, my final question is, what is your biggest fear for the future of this industry? And what is your biggest hope? I think one of the biggest fears uh, that you already mentioned is like 50% uh, say they identify more with their avatars than they do with their real bodies. That's something that's that's frightening me. The people are um, uh, choosing their physical identity over their their uh, their virtual identity over their physical identity. And I think we, if we want, if we say to me, those virtual worlds or three D versions of the internet in general uh, should be like uh, an improvement of our daily lives. At some point, for example, we are already meeting virtual all the time. But sometimes we see the limitations. And then I think that a 3D version of Teams and every and people working on more spatial devices in the future could be like a, a huge improvement in virtual collaboration. But what I'm afraid of is that a lot of people who are struggling now with loneliness, for example, um, will jump more and more in virtual worlds and build virtual relationships. Uh, and especially um, when we had that sauce of generative AI poured all over it, and you have those non-playable characters that are in a virtual world where you can have a conversation with who even remember what you asked them the day before. So they, so you could go in today and they can ask you, hey, how was your work day? How was your appointment at the dentist, for example? The, when people are start, start more and more having virtual relations over physical relations in the real world, that's something that's, that's frightening me. And I think that's uh, sometimes uh, a question to myself as an entrepreneur in this space, like how can we be careful uh, and, and how can we try to prevent this? Because I think what we are doing in general is for good, but it has a very, it can have very negative side effects. And also um, the Ready Player One scenario, I think a lot of people already saw the Spielberg movie from 2018, when the world is, yeah, is all doomed and people are, instead of yeah, living in the real world, they have no jobs anymore. Uh, they don't have to work. They're, um, they're living probably on minimum income and they go into virtual worlds every day because there they can be whoever they want to be and they can uh, actually mean something to the virtual society because they don't mean anything to the real society. I think what we see happening in this, in the real world today with like, climate change and Africa is, is, is uh, yeah, coming to Europe because it's not livable anymore over there. Uh, and we see war all over the world and people are also, and then, yeah, I think at a certain point, there was always a discussion like AR is going to be much bigger than VR, but AR is enhancing your daily life. And if we see the world evolve as it, um, or if the world continues to evolve like it is evolving right now, then I believe that at a certain point, more people are at a place where they actually don't want to be. And the virtual world can teleport them to another dimension where they actually can meet something or can have like a normal life. And that's my biggest fear. Uh, and will it be uh, the metaverse or virtual worlds to blame or the technology? No, it's, it's a result of what we as human beings are doing wrong in the world. 
But to end with a positive note, I'm still confident that um, we as human beings are going to prevent the world um, um, of escaping, uh, of, of escapism. And that I, I still believe that the virtual worlds, like the internet, yeah, a lot of people are abusing it. Um, but yeah, take it away out of our daily lives. It's, it has so much to offer now. And I'm definitely convinced that virtual worlds and the metaverse as such will give us experiences that we will, were, I, were before we're not able to experience in our life, that we will meet new people, that we will travel places um, virtual, virtually. But on the other hand, I'm still a human being um, and I need physical interactions with people. Um, so I hope we find the sweet spot between the in real life and the digital or the virtual live in the future. Yes, I do as well. And speaking of those connections, if somebody wants to get in touch or to follow you or get involved, what's the best way for them to do that? You can send me an email, uh, Peter, it's P-I-E-T-E-R. It's like Peter in English, but then with the I before the E. That's how we uh, pronounce it in Dutch. Um, at at yonder.agency or just add me on LinkedIn. It's Peter van Leugenhagen. You probably see my name in the credentials. So just add me on LinkedIn and let's have a conversation. And thank you all so much for watching and listening wherever you may be. And I hope to see you soon. Take care. This is Erin Marmoran of EdTech. The world of higher ed AV is growing rapidly. That's why each month we hear from the best and brightest from colleges and universities all over the U.S. Check out EdTech on avnation.tv or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.